Welcome back, guys. So we've just had a short respite. Not that you'll be able to tell, but we have. Uh, we are now on to part two of our Deep Space Nine season one season review from Vortex right up to the hands of the prophets. Now, literally, just just before we got going, I realised I forgot another bit of a a note Clive mentioned to me. As he, as we, I sort of said to him, oh, I'm watching you back for this thing. And when he got up to the passenger, he put, he put the phrase in there that I thought was really quite cool. Kind of summarise it really well as Clive does this in a magical way. This first season, like trying to pull start a quad cast mower with an empty petrol tank on a slope in the rain. It's okay. It's a really mixed bag. They wanted it to be next gen on a station but it just doesn't quite work mm. and i think that's a very very summarizes it very well up to that point i agree i think so yeah i completely 100 forgot that i should mention it at that point so yeah the episodes we, out but we figured we figured it's still like so i'll just sit aside yeah just mention it so it's fine so um, um we are now on to vortex yeah um after, is it my turn? Yeah. Yeah. We've after established this, Jamie. Yes, so we have. We're establishing it again. Yes. <laughs> after murdering a mirror dom in one of Quark's hollow suites, Gamma Quadrant criminal Croden claims he may have a clue to Odo's origins. Yeah, which is not real. It's, it's a fake, basically. <laughs> I think you said back then it's a fake. Basically, a pointless episode. That's what you said years back, I think, didn't you? Um, Odo must decide whether or not to trust him, but Cisco orders him to transport Croden back to his people. Never cared for it. Uh, yeah, I've got to admit, watching it this time around, I wasn't particularly bothered by it, which is kind of strange because you think it's kind of a crime-like episode. It focuses on Odo, but I don't know. It just, I just wasn't that bothered by it, really. It just didn't really stand out. I thought it was interesting that Croden knows about changes from the Gamma Quadrant, so because obviously... It used to, so you do get a little tidbit, a little bit. Well, but it's, that's the first time the word changing is actually used. Yeah, so there is a little something there, but it, I don't think it's really enough. Uh, which is obviously a clue to Odo's origins, which is set up and becomes much more important later. Include, I, I, I think actually, what one other thing I do like about this one, how they actually establish the motive of the of the Dominion, the changes in particular, because they get persecuted. Because I think. Um, uh Crowden mentions that doesn't he um yeah but the interesting thing is it's a lie he's yeah. never met a changeling so it's all no. a lie but as Clove said in the comment it's odd how it actually does add up with what happens later on with their line uh, the storyline yeah exactly so uh, i like the continual co- conflict between odo and quark that remains throughout the series um I like how Od- Crowden is a criminal. He seems like a bad person, but really he was just p- protecting his daughter. Um, and the only thing I disliked, as I said, disappointed there wasn't really more about Odo's origins. Kind of feels like a bit of a letdown, really, but a bit, bit anticlimactic, but there you go. That's it. Star Trek doing Fabergé eggs. I thought the bottle uh, at the start of the episode was unique and pretty. Um, the Meridorn starship is reused the Baron starship scene in Gambit. I've always liked the locket key prop. Mondor gets reused once again. <laughs> uh, I always wanted a Cardassian Isolina rod prop. And the Mirror Dawn makeup was 
actually Mike and Westmore's favourite designs from this season. That's it. Uh, so the message, uh, so what messages did you get? There's no need to resort to violence. Honesty is the best policy. Nothing is either black or white. There's good in everyone. Help can come from the most unlikely places of Odo. It's the way he even goes, oh, golf with the Vulcans. Mm. Uh, don't manipulate people. It never ends well. Stand up for what you believe in. And you have to be willing to do anything to survive. I didn't find anything, really. Uh, nothing is what it appears at first sight. And uh, don't judge a bit by its cover. So Cronin is a criminal, but he did it to protect his daughter. Everyone deserves a second chance. So Odin, Odo lets Cronin leave with his daughter instead of transporting it back to his home for his crimes. Family and home is everything, and you do what you can to protect them. So obviously in this case, we're referring to Cronin and his daughter. Uh, yeah, so it was all right, but it didn't really stand out. Next one. Battle lines, and one I'm actually going to put up. Fair enough. I'm not, but fair enough. A runabout containing Cisco, Kira, Bashir and Kayapaka crash lands on a gamma quadrant moon. Soon, alien warriors appear and take the crash survivors back to their camp. It's soon discovered there are two groups of combatants. A fighting war in which no one ever dies. I quite liked it. Yeah, I must admit, I actually enjoyed this more uh, watching it this time. I don't think it's a fantastic episode, but I certainly, I certainly, certainly very watchable. Now, this is where we get back into uh, the Lost Files territory. Yeah. Because yeah, it's the next, would you say, next three episodes where we go back into Lost Files territory. Yeah, Because, yeah. again, at that point in time, they were called Best Episodes of Deep Space Nine Season 1 back in 2012. And at that point, we had interesting ideas. And... The particular ones that you will have heard in this one is the fact that I, at the time, was saying that Kira's uh, crying the whole time, 10 minutes over Kyopaka's death, and that Kyopaka, Kyopaka's return is like a Stars in the Rise moment. And I still maintain the Stars in the Rise moment. I think that still is a thing. Yeah, I do agree with you there. It definitely has that vibe to it, whether intentionally or not, yeah. And I also found that I also had like made me remind me of the return of jesus yeah his resurrection yeah yeah Which he dies it's the... really interesting yeah so, definitely like, I, did... I just i just thought i just when we first watched it it was all very kind of oh for god's sake here like you know she just sit there crying for quite a long time and i think i kind of in my as i was exaggerated a bit and it's just like oh for god's sake kira like but i i get it now i understand why because she is kind of you know the she is the you know the pope of beja she is the jesus of beja and she is kind of so I, I get the sentiment. I, it is still yeah, the Stars it's, it's, and Rise moment going through the cave. I just think that's just hilarious. Just like I think, I think it comes down to Akira. It's like she's she, Kai Pucker's revered and like she's a symbol of hope and courage for all the struggles and strife that they went through. And then for her to simply just die on crack when they crash down this this moon, like nameless moon, it just feels so it just feels so senseless. So I, I, I yeah I yeah I do I do. I do agree I w- with what you're saying. I wish we'd seen more of Kyopaka. 
Definitely. She does, I think, come back in season two, I think, uh, in the collaborator, um, when uh, Vedic Baral's having an orbit sphere. She does appear, I think, in that. Oh, she does, but I don't, for me, that doesn't count. Mm, yeah. I mean, like, actually appear in episodes in like, season yeah. one. I wish she'd appeared in more. And it does make me wonder what the future of Beta would have been, would have looked like if she was still around and I think that will end up as a what if episode I think that's too good not to not to I do. agree I agree and I think you, you put this up because you said again it has that big impact doesn't it uh the episode gets followed up in the South Africa Lion mission armistice uh from the victory life victory is life ex- expansion and they actually managed to free them all from that world which is really cool yeah, I think I'll, I'll leave it at that because there's a lot more to the story to that, but it's quite a cool follow up to this episode. And I believe, um, again, and, and I'll just say because I know again the whole canon thing, but in one of the DS9 novels, um, Kai Puck actually does return. She actually does uh, manage to initiate peace between the Ellis and the Nolaness, I think. Well, um, yeah, she does the same in the game. Yeah, so uh, this is where they kind of cut corners. A type 6 shuttlecraft warpness cell can be seen when the um, runabout crashes. Um, when really they should be using a Danube class one. It's a bit like, yeah, we can't be bothered. No one, <laughs> would, no one will notice. So they just pulled out the ah. type 6 one from storage from the next gen props. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that the wormhole didn't have any same impact on the gamma quadrant like it did on the mm. alpha quadrant side beta quadrant side yeah well, but i think that's due to there's no planets or systems nearby i think it would have been interesting like if the prophets like if they I, I don't know how you did say it probably wouldn't have worked but you would thought maybe the prophets would be able to sense kai pucker like she's leading with beige or you would think they would sense her coming through the wormhole and there'd be some importance but it isn't but, you know. Well, it's it, she. It's her going to do her next thing she's made to do. Mm. Uh, and it's the first time runabout is destroyed in the series. So Yangtze King Kiang is replaced by Oren Orinoco. Mm. So I, I enjoy it. It's just really it's the impact because we lose Kyra Pucker, and then that puts the series on completely different diversions. Than it would have done if Chiropack was still around. Because as I said to Jane before, they would have had so much easier life with Chiropacker rather than with what we ended up with with Vedic and then Kai Win. But again, more on that later. You do wonder if they if the Federation had would have joined the Federation sooner. Bajor would have joined the Federation series. Yeah, yeah, I'd say probably, they probably would have done. And it would have but been a let's, much... Let's, let's put a... Pin on it. Yeah, because we won an episode out of that, Jamie, so let's yeah. not... Um, <laughs> so what I like about this episode, um, nice to see the return of Kaya Pucker from the Earth pilot with reference to from a Missouri that Cisco offered to give her a tour of DS9, which is why she turns up there. Uh, sad, I said, very, really sad to see when Kaya Pucker's opinion speech about death because she obviously technically does die, but she comes back. Uh, I thought Kira's sad reaction. I thought, uh, I actually thought, uh, uh, 
Nana visitors, because um, that's the thing, we always used to pronounce her Nana, but actually we realised, we found out recently that actually pronounced her first name is Nana. Uh, excellently acted by Nana visitor throughout the episode. Um, I thought it was an interesting idea of a penal colony on a moon with orbiting satellites where the Ennis and Noah list, which was originally meant to be Cardassians, I think was it, that was the original idea they had, um, reside in a continuing cycle of violence and death from which if you die on the planet, there is no escape. So you die over and over and come back to life. But if you leave the planet, you die as your physiology is altered. I like how the plot mirrors Kira's violent past, doing what she can, could to fight for Bajor's independence during the Cardassian occupation. Um, I like the, subtle, like the subtle hint that peace is the way forward of Kaya Pucker having to stay behind. Uh, maybe this will happen between the Ellis and Noelis. I thought the action sequences were well constructed. Well, they were really well done. Uh, and a Kaya Pakistan on the planet leaves a power vacuum on Bajor, which obviously has a big impact in later in the season. I saw secret ones with Vedic and then Kaya Win. Um, I think it's kind of the only one out the old Lost Fire episodes that I would, I would put forward. Like I said, I didn't put it up, but it definitely has more definitely has more depth and merit than I previously gave. Isn't Absolutely. it a bit ironic that I wasn't particularly that excited about doing this and I've put up dress that be more than you have yeah which i don't yeah yeah like i was trying to make up like i thought i was gonna go a bit short because i was looking at this going oh for god's sake like what the hell am i gonna choose and i've kind of <laughs> yeah but as you say i think for some of these it's more of the more of the impact isn't it i think that's probably the main thing isn't it for you um yeah i think the next one I put up is because I do enjoy it. It has literally no impact on anything, but I do enjoy mm. I do enjoy it. But we'll get on that relatively soon. Yeah. Um, messages I got. Uh, when you cease to fear death, the rules of war change. As Kaya Pucker says to Kira, don't deny the word violence in yourself. Only when you accept it can you move beyond it. So I take it as one of your old uh, your messages. Peace is a worthy goal. Uh, religious anger would um, Thanks, Pucker. Jeremy. Was that one you were going to say? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. I'm not, I'm not going to say that's mine, but it's not one, one I come up with. So I'm always going to give you credit. Um, no, no, it's just funny hearing it from your voice, Jeremy. So, religious angle of Opaka saying this was her fate uh, in the hands of the prophets to help the two sides uh, heal. And that's the other thing I want to. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it. It's more prominent in the finale, but. One thing I would do say I really do like about DS9 and from this first season and going onwards is how religion is respected. Because um, I'm not, and this is not, this is not me, you know, slamming TNG, but in other Star Treks, like religion is kind of seen, oh, that's not the explanation. It's always science. They kind of just, that, that stuff, it kind of just dismiss it. But in this case, it's actually, well, you know what? We might not believe it, but other people do. And who's to say otherwise? So, um, and also, I picked up on the notion of euthanasia. So Bashir suggests they could reprogram the microbes as a kindness to let the two sides finally die in peace. But, well, that doesn't happen. Because, obviously, I think uh, the leader of one of the factions says, oh, yeah, you could actually help us turn it into a weapon or whatever. So, yeah, that's all i got. What did you get? Peace is a worthy goal. Never given to fear. <laughs> there are no excuses to direct violence. Treat people how you'd like to be treated yourself. Violence doesn't solve anything. Help can come from the most unlikely places, so Kai, Kai Packer 
Don't be prejudiced against a certain group. And no one is either good or bad somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, I, again, I was, I was funnily surprised by it, I think. It was just kind of thing of, oh, actually, yes, yeah, this does have a huge impact. I can't really not put it forward. That's fair enough, mate. That's absolutely, I completely understand that. I'm sure it, there is that silly side of it from the past, but it's a bit like, you know what? Like, you kind of can't take without, the impact away from it. Yeah, and we've outgrown that kind of thing. As I said, it does have, you know, Kira, it does, you know, yeah, she's never met Kai Pucker before, but I said she's... I what think they that? have, Jeremy. They have? I th- I'm pretty sure I get the impression they had. Probably briefly, I'd imagine, but they have in some form, yeah. So, yeah, but even even that, even once I've not put up, so like Battle Lines or in our part one, uh, Captain Pursuit, yeah, okay, I've not put them up, but I've definitely enjoyed them more than I previously did. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I next... think I've probably just got a bit hazy on kind of my defining line between I really like it and I've got to put it up. So I think that's really where my... I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but... You know. No, of course not. Uh, next one? Yeah, yeah. Are you reading it or am I? You're reading it. Yeah, the, uh, the storyteller. O'Brien and Dr. Bashir are responding to a distress call from Bajor, stating uh, state an entire community is in jeopardy. They're really not. They discover when an elderly serum makes an appearance at a yearly festival that the threat comes to the legendary Dalrock, a deadly mythical creature, which doesn't really exist. And well, there's also a subplot as well, isn't there, with... Uh, Two uh, warring factions, because yeah. that's refreshing. Yeah, so um, it's not a great episode, unfortunately. Uh, no, we, and we also had thoughts in the past about this one, too. We definitely did. <laughs> because I made the point years ago that surely, like, you just put, like, surely you just get one guy to record it onto a CD or whatever the hell they're doing, play it out, problem solved. Don't need to do this one. You have a nice holiday. But as I say, you're kind of 100% missing the point of it. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always made a joke that Carl uh, would rather look like he'd be doing anything else. But, you know, I, I don't think that's true. But I, 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 I could just not think to myself, how could Carl Beatty read this script and just not have a hit of disbelief of what have I got? What the heck is this? <laughs> Maybe he didn't, but I, I just did really feel sorry for Chief O'Brien throughout this whole episode. I really did feel sorry for him. Um, I, I liked the, um, the interactions between Bashir and O'Brien. So Brian finds them annoying, but it's great to see how they become best friends in the seasons to come. I did love his own junior. He really is a he's, he really is smug in this one. Just you can tell in a way he's enjoying the situation that O'Brien finds himself in. Didn't you didn't you reference something to me as well with regards to that? You you said something about how um, the Bajoran whoever it is brings in these uh, women for O'Brien and it's like oh, I've got O'Brien a O'Brien sits there and goes, Oh no, I can't. I've got a child, I've got uh, Molly and I've got Keiko. So I can't. And I've right and uh no, um Bashir's Bashir. look is like, yep, I'm in there then. <laughs> yeah. Um I thought uh, again I've already uh so I thought it was a funny scene where Court comes in doing negotiations talks, this is the subplot, where Cisco's uh hosting between the two rival factions, the I don't know why I wrote the names down, but the Baku and the Navat. Uh, with Drix, and he calls he calls the uh, the 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 other uh, girl. He goes, 
drinks for a little lady. She's angry. I am not a little lady and just throws the drinks in Quark's face and walks out. I must be. I absolutely love that scene. Um, I like the growing friendship between Jake and Nog uh, and Varys, especially the funny scene where Nog has filled Odo's bucket with oatmeal and flings it at Jake. Nog, I thought that, that whole sequence was really funny. And I think Nog actually gives um, the girl good advice too regarding the dispute. Um, yeah, I like, but I have problems with that subplot. I know. Uh, I also like that you find out every 16 hours Odo converts to his original state. Yeah, Sorry I like that bucket. bit of trivia. Yeah, I like that um, trivia as well. The other thing that, that occurred to me as well is in Culus, Quark mentions Odo could buy one from him for this purpose. So I'm wondering if Odo actually did in the end. It did strike me as an interesting thing from Culus. No, because it's a, it's a Kardashian bucket, isn't it? Well, no, yeah. Pajoran, it's a Pajoran bucket. No, so but I, I don't know. But maybe, maybe not that exact same one, but maybe it's like he planted the idea in Odo's head. So maybe Odo went back to go, actually, you know, that's not a bad idea. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not purchased it from him because I don't think. I wish that we'd found out about his cycle earlier. Sooner. But I'm thinking maybe Odo wouldn't have purchased it from Quark for like Latin, but maybe he would have like like for information about a crime or something. Maybe yeah, it would have been something like that. Maybe. Just a thought. Answers I don't know. on a postcard. I don't know. Anyway, gone. Me now. Uh, yeah, that's it in terms of what I liked. Okay. Uh, it's what I disliked as well, but we can get to that a bit later a bit afterwards. <laughs> the Bajoran Village map painting is the reuse of the Romulan prison map painting seen in Birthright. <laughs> yeah. I think that actually formed up a quiz question years ago. I think it did actually, didn't it? Uh, Bajoran Village is a tourist site because the guy and he's worked five nights a year for Pete's sake. Yeah. So he's got the easiest job ever. Uh... And it's kind of dramatics of the reading. And there's a certain degree of predestination paradox. Like, they have to kind of get worried for the thing to start up, and then he comes out and then stops it. Yeah. Oh, that was it. It's a part of an orb. And I always thought that's a bit probably sacrilegious. Yet no one makes any sign of it. So it doesn't mean we don't... If there isn't, what is it, nine orbs? So mm. are we missing one? Maybe. Or is there a chip off one? How does that work? Um, a weak episode with two underwhelming subplots as we don't know any of the people involved. Nice to have a subplot with Jake and Nog. Uh, as you say, first time we see Odo's bucket. Uh, oh yes, this is a... Actually, we'll, yeah, we'll go back to that one because I have, I have issues. The village's power special effect looks like the storm effects from Power Play. And it's based on a Rudyard Kipling short story, The Man Who Would Be King. Now, the assassination subplot does not work at all, as we're introduced to The Apprentice too late in the episode. So it's three minutes in. Yeah. And it's and as, as I note down, season of crap assassins. <laughs> well, that's... Um, well, that being said, is there anything else you wanted to say? No, that's everything. I just don't get it. Oh, we're no. introducing 33 minutes in, and he's trying yeah. to kill him. He, he should have been introduced from the moment in, but he should have got more of a thing of, oh, here's my apprentice. Yeah, because he, he just comes across as some guy in the background for. Yeah, half exactly. Episode. He does. He does give a couple of like glaring looks at. Uh, O'Brien and Bashir, which uh, indicates something, but it's not enough, as you we, say. We needed more exposition. Yeah. 
but that brings us on to what I dislike. So you've got a lack of threat in the main plot of Darok, which just comes from the villagers' fault. So there's no real threat, so why should I care? Resolution to the main plot, is it comes too late into the episode. Lack of details and resolution to the subplot of the dispute over land. Yeah. It mentions giving them up their land back and free trade access across the river, but how exactly? So, didn't I, I, I'm not sure if you wrote this down, but I did say you mentioned to me, I think you figured out how it might have happened. They All they simply do, I think all they do is they change the axis. So rather than it being, because it's based on the river, right? Yeah. So, like, if you imagine it's, like, north and south, I bet you all they ever do is they just do it, um, you both get a bit, of, like, you get a bit of land on the top of the river, you get the river, and you get some south of the river for both sides. So they just have a bit of land each, and it's a bit like, okay, there you go, problem solved. Fair enough, man. No. That's what I reckon, because it, it is very kind of, oh, yeah, we solved it, okay. Not going to tell us then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what messages did you get? Take responsibility for your actions. Never give fear. Peace is a worthy goal. Never intimate the capabilities of someone. There's no need to resort to violence, assassination. Children need to be children. Have a childhood. Yeah. Help can come from the most unlikely places. Don't use someone or something as a, an escape goat. Don't give up so easily as a solution to every problem. And don't make people, it never ends well. Um, I've got taking opportunities a risk, but you rely on your instincts and know when to take them. Compromise is in any negotiation is key to resolving disputes. We're going to back on the old Diaz age. Peace is a worthy goal. So talks with the Baku never overlag to try and obviously stop a civil war from uh, brewing. That's it. That's all I've got. Uh, onwards. Onwards, Mr. Onwards and upwards. Yes. Progress. Evacuating a Bajura moon, Kira finds a stubborn old uh, farmer called Mulivuk, who has been living on the moon since the Galatians arrived on Bajor. Soon he finds himself torn between her duty and her compassion to Mulivuk. Now, even in that, some an improvement since... Yeah, eleven years ago. That's Mil- an Mil- improvement. Yeah, we, we could never. I could never pronounce his name when, when we did it back then. So it was like, just call him Fred. Then we'll just call well, him. Well, no, Fred. that's not, that's not true. I think you tried. You, I you did. always tried. I it was me it. that implemented the Fred approach. Yeah. <laughs> so if you listen back to the yearbook, it's just kind of, oh, I give up. I'm just gonna call him Fred the whole time, and it's become a bit of an in joke, just kind of. He also, because that thing is Minibok, and you also forget he's got a couple of friends with him. But they have no impact on the thing. Well, they do, but not much, because neither of them talks. And as yeah. we found out from Babel, people that don't talk aren't seeking much help for the helping the story along a bit. I think the, Although, I think I think wasn't the explanation that Minibok gave was that they had those two these two friends had their like their tongues ripped out by the Cardassians yeah, or something, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But they, they were a little bit violent as well. Just just for good measure. Yeah, um I and actually, the uniforms. Oh yeah, they don't like uniforms, no. I actually I I quite enjoyed this one. I really quite enjoyed this one. Yeah, I it's think, I think it's a bit of a dark horse, but I I didn't. You didn't enjoy it? I I I, I liked it, but yeah. it, it's I, I didn't put it up. up. 
No, nor did I, but I did enjoy it. I did really quite enjoy it. Can uh, can I um, add on a bit for this talk about, because I have actually got their names written down, but uh, Boltram and Keener. Yeah. Um, one question is, how did they ask to be transported to the moon? Well, when they moved there. Yeah, if they've got no tongues, how the hell did they ask to be moved there? Is that just point? I don't know. I mean, mate, well, I got the sense that M- Mullibok and, and and those two, they'd all known each other for years, so maybe he kind of is, is like their advocate. Yeah, maybe he that's, kind of... that's the issue. He, If you listen to the dialogue, he's been there for years. They'd only been there about 10 years. And didn't he say he never left the moon? Yeah. So how the hell did they get there? A good point, actually, yeah. Because Bajor's not the most well-known place. And how the hell do you say to someone... It's not like in the episode you can see them doing sign language or anything. Well, they give glancing looks and everything. But, yeah, it's the thing I sat there and went, huh? (laughs) Do you want me to do my trivia or do you want to do yours or what or yeah go go ahead side you, you start off a reoccurrence of the number 47 as minister toran says that 47 colonists um lived on the moon um and actually his costume was sold off on it's a rat sale and auction on ebay for 34 dollars uh, nice to have another jake and nog subplot profit based uh, the prop department had to create tools uh, for Milivok to create bricks. Uh, and that's it. Um, I've got, I thought it was a funny scene between Dax and Kirill on the runabout when she recounts Maul asking her out and how Dax finds the seven or eight little worry hairs on his head cute. Uh, I thought um, su- superb performance by Brian Keith as uh, Milivok. Um, which is actually quite sad because I think he passed away about four years after after the episode, um, which is really quite sad actually. Um, but I thought the interactions between him and Kira were excellent. Yeah, Clive um, said the same. What's that? Clive said the same. Oh, what the, the interactions were good between them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I I kind of look at their kind of relationship as kind of like a father and daughter. That's how I kind of looked at it. Like he's taking, kind of taking her under his wing, if that makes sense. I enjoyed both plots of Kira trying to convince uh, Mullibok to leave his home and relocate to Bajor. I think it's because of an energy transfer on, on the moon where he lives and he'll die. Plus, obviously, you said the whole nag, Nog and Jake trying to earn profit by trading Yamak sauce for self-stealing stem bolts. Riveting subplot as well. Is um, that a joke from the last one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at the time I didn't even realise that I made it. And you said, "Oh, what a good pun you just made!" Self-stealing stem bolts. You just said riveting. <laughs> um, I like the mirroring of Mullerbuck finishing the kiln in his garden, a symbol of progress of what he's achieved living there with the overall energy project benefiting and yeah. heating thousands of Bajoran homes. There's something I do want to point out that that has just reminded me of. So, you know, he actually lights it. Yes. And then Kira sets fire to his house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I do think it's really funny that there's obviously four points on the roof where it sets fire and it's really quite good. Mm. It actually makes sense. It actually looks like it's going to do it. 
then you get the fact that she throws the stick through the door onto a concrete floor and that does absolutely nothing <laughs> watch it back she throws it in there and it just sits there and you just go well, yeah that, that didn't work quite how you wanted it to because i think they wanted it to be kind of the interior also burning up and yeah well, that kind of sucks nothing to believe, happens that sucks the believability out of the moment that's the thing the other thing is what i found with it and it's not necessarily a criticism just an observation I find it hard to believe that he'd she, he'd be able to forgive her for what she did at the end. I don't think I've, he would. I feel like he ended up in a box pretty soon afterwards. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I think his friends would have done as well. Yeah. Oh, actually, they probably locked off in some prison somewhere because they nibbled some uniforms hand off, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what messages did you find? Treat people how you'd like to be treated. Everyone deserves respect. Life is there to challenge us physically and mentally. Democracy will always win out. Nothing is either black or white. Needs of many outweigh the needs of the one or the few. Yeah. If you're the one. Violence doesn't solve anything. Help can come from the most unlikeliest places. Kira, stand up for what you believe in. And guilt is a powerful thing. Um, I, did, I said you, you took the words right out of my mouth. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, as you, you mentioned. Uh, the idea of uniforms of relocation, you can't stay stuck in the past, but look towards the future as Millibuck wants to stay where he is. In order to make progress, change and sacrifices sometimes have to be made. Homes can be rebuilt and replaced. So referring to Kira destroying Millibuck, but people can't. So, yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I've got. Uh, then, then we're on to this one, Jamie. Oh, yippee. Uh, is this me reading? Uh no, I think it's me reading this one because you've read Progress, I think. Okay. Uh, if wishes were horses. The, cr- the crew discover aliens are studying them from the vantage point of manifestations of their imaginations, ranging from a favourite baseball player of Cisco's to a pair of ravishing beauties for Quark to the woman of Bashir's dreams. Oh, Ducks. That bit annoys me. What's that? I wish they chose something different for um, Bashir. Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, this episode is not great. It, we didn't like it, was it, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and I've, it's sad to say we both still don't like it now. Uh, it hasn't aged particularly well, and it's just what well, I just don't care about it at all. I mean, if I if I had to say, it probably is my least favourite of season one, I think. Um, I'm surprised st- it doesn't get more torn out of it, because everyone just goes, because it's got that song, oh, Move Along Home's awful. But actually, I think this probably kind of takes it. Yeah, I, 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 Move Along Home is infinitely more watchable. Um, what you're saying about Bashir, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense because obviously he's had this attraction to Jadzia from she the beginning. She is so badly written. But in that episode, yeah, she does come across as badly written. And I think, in a way, I think they're trying to keep with the themes of the season. Like Bashir really likes Dax. So I understand why they implemented it, but I think it comes to this point now where he's, he's his impression of it is a bit cringeworthy, and even Dax sits there and goes, "Yeah, that's a bit weird." That's a yeah. I think I think I think they focused on it too much, and I think it's just a bit over the top. If that makes sense. I think that Cisco's one should have appeared more because I think he's more in charge. Yeah, out, out of the ones, I actually did. I actually quite like the interaction between him and. Um, that baseball player, that famous baseball player. Because it has got vibes, and I have got it in my notes, 
reminds me of where no one has gone before an observer effect but you could also say profits yeah um, and what was the thing you did one thing of that that you did actually quite like that you get from the episode it's the fact that the baseball cisco keeps on his desk is um given to him by the bakai impersonating alien yeah which i never knew mm. that's about the only redeeming feature of this episode <laughs> Uh, what trivia did you get? In terms of star dates, the events of this episode uh, occur before the events of Dax. First appearance of Molly O'Brien. Yep. Uh, said that one. Interesting seeing a probe launched from a docking port. Mm-hmm. I got bored towards the end of the episode. It was about 30 minutes in, and I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. <laughs> uh, Rumpel Sealskin was originally written as a leprechaun. Um, but was changed when Colin Meany objected, claiming that this was an offensive stereotype against the Irish, saying using caricatures of, or cliches of any nation is not something Star Trek is or should be into. Um, I recently found out in our school that um, he he didn't want O'Brien to be Irish. Yeah. But if you listen to Rumpelstiltskin lines in the episode. There is still an awful lot of references to Ireland, so in my opinion, it still made no blinded, blindest bit bit of difference. <laughs> yeah, it's just now Rumble Suits and saying it rather than Leprechaun. Um, anything else? Nope, and I didn't find many three M's either. Uh, so a couple of things I did note that I did like. Um, interesting idea, fantasies and imagination, different concepts to what the rest of the season has explored so far. And like I said, I, I liked some of the um, I said the interaction between Cisco and that baseball player. What I disliked, well, lack of a real threat, as it's all just the crew's imagination. Uh, I just found the aliens overall just like not really that interesting and unmemorable. They didn't really stand out. Uh, the messages that I got was an overactive imagination can be dangerous, but it's nothing more with having fantasies and imagining. When it comes to fantasies, etc., we have a right to privacy and keep our thoughts to ourselves as access to Bashir. That's it. That's all I got. I found three. Logic is king. Anything is possible if you put your mind to it. Probably the only way I can make that work. Sometimes the simple things are most efficient. Now everyone stop thinking it. Okay. <laughs> Again, it's the same logic they use in where no one has gone before, but whatever. Yeah. We're done with that? Yes, quite definitely. Another Thank one God. I'm putting up. Now we're in a spec where I put up all of them. Yeah, these last four episodes, I think you said back in the day, actually a decent one, yeah. Uh, the Forsaken, I'm actually putting this up as well. A visiting Luxana Troy becomes enamoured uh, with of Odo after he retrieves a stolen item of hers from a thief. Meanwhile, a small probe merges from the wormhole and soon starts threatening key systems, uh, computer systems all over the station, placing lives in jeopardy. I really enjoy this one. I always have done. Yeah, same here. I mean, it doesn't have really much of an impact at all, but who cares? It's just a really, really fun and enjoyable episode. And as you said, I think you said before, it's a really good way of chucking in the wax and a Troy. I think. Um, I thought uh, you got the really good plots of the pup probe causing system failures on the station and the visiting Starfleet ambassador. I said, great way of putting the wax and the Troy uh, into the uh, DS9. 
Uh, I felt I did actually feel sorry. In a way, it's kind of revenge for how I'd been pursued for acting, I think, throughout the whole season so far. But I did feel sorry for him having to deal with the ambassadors, especially the uh, the other female tax guy who complains about him. Got great character growth for Bashir as he helps save the ambassadors from a dangerous situation. Um, I think it's a fire. They actually come to respect him and commend him for his actions. Um, hilarious scenes with Luaxana romantically pursuing Odo, who is nervous around her as he doesn't want to offend her. Superb performances from the main cast and supporting cast, like the ambassadors for this episode. I thought there's some really great scenes in the chat lift between Odo and Luaxana, particularly referencing the TMG episode Menage Troy, and when Odo has to revert back to in his liquid state, which he does in uh, Luaxana's lap. I actually thought it was kind of sweet, actually. Um, and I like the resolution that the probe actually stays where it is in the backup systems. Well, do you know what the probe is? A redress of? No. The Cytherium probe from the nth degree. Oh, it's the same one, is it? Oh. Yep. Okay. Uh, there's a reference to Measure Troy when Luxana Troy is talking about Damon Targ. Yeah. Uh, and actually, at the beginning of the episode, she uses the same dress from that episode, I believe. Oh, okay. The star date of this episode actually places this episode after drama, drama, uh, Dramatist Persona. Thank you. I liked how they used Xana Troy in Deep Space Nine. Actually gave her proper good character development. I, agree. I feel like they gave Bashir the role to make up for him being annoying, as you said mm-hmm. earlier. That right, it's a passage for officers. Uh, I love Cisco's expression before he meets ambassadors. <laughs> yeah. Phrases, yeah. a picture paints a thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first time we hear about Odo's regeneration cycle, um, along with the backstory of his name and looks, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I think I put kind of funny that Seven Nine also has one of sorts, uh, and obviously we'll meet the daughter, uh, the Doctor, in a later season. The oh, what's it called? It's like season two, isn't it? What's that? We meet. Oh. Oh, um, yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? The, the Bajoran size that was assigned to Odo, yeah. I think it's The Begotten, season two, episode 12, I think that one is. Uh, the fire extinguisher you see Cisco holding can be used in Star Trek Line in research and rescue mission, uh, and it's called a fire suppression device. And in a funny note, the Paha men want to know who let the dog in. <laughs> I enjoy uh, it. Both yeah. subplots work really well. I think they do. And as I said, Bashir actually gets a bit of character growth in this episode, which has been severely lacking, I don't know, the whole season. So um, It's the way that Luxana and Odo are both um, vulnerable. Yeah. And I think it's quite nice because you don't really see that vulnerable side of Odo very often. It only really comes around in later seasons when, obviously, he um, develops uh, feelings for Kira, doesn't he? Yeah. So um, the messages I got was when dealing with ambassadors, you have to handle them delicately um, and sensitively, referring to Odo and Bashir. Pardon me. When in a dangerous situation, it's important to remain calm, as Bashir did, helping the ambassadors escape from the fire. Giving enough attention to someone or something, in this case, the pup probe to keep it happy. Um when it comes to picnics, all that really matters is the company, as Luxana says to Odo, and you kind of got ideas of like, 
adoption and all that kind of thing. Because like, effectively, that's what they do, didn't they? They adopt the putt probe, didn't they? Yeah. So, what about you? What'd you get? Well, that's the thing. That's something that got raised at some point. I think I can't remember when, but was yeah. the probe destroyed when they sabotaged the station? Oh, what? Um, you talk about uh, when um, uh, the Dominion took over. Yeah. Good point. Was it destroyed with the sabotage or not? Because it's, it's never explained. Well, it's, I think the pup probe is never really referenced again, is it? Which, uh, but um, it, no, I think it is referenced in Civil Defence, but I think, yeah, beyond that, no, I don't think so. Oh, is it? Is it in Civil Defence as well? Okay. I believe so, because I quite enjoy that episode. So I think it does come up where it's be like, oh, yeah, I see it a problem every now and then. Oh, okay. Uh, be true to yourself. Don't change yourself to appease someone else's wishes. Don't rely on technology. Don't give up so easy a solution to every problem. Sometimes the simplest things are the most effective. You have to be willing to earn things to survive. Yeah, I didn't find much, but I, I enjoy it. Yeah, same here. I, I said I thought it was a really, really good one. I said it doesn't. I said I enjoy it, so I, I, I enjoyed it and I thought, you know, I'm actually going to put this one up. Uh, next one Dramatis Personae. Am I reading um, that? Hmm? Am I reading that or? If you want to, yeah. What did I read that last one? I, I, I was at least track. I can't remember. Did you want to read this one anyway, mate? Uh, oh, no, I think it's you. I think I'm doing duet. Oh, no, I'll do this one, Jamie. You do duet. You sure? Yeah. Oh, Divisions take place between members of Deep Space Nine's crew. Kira, still unsatisfied after losing an argument with Cisco about security arrangements for the shipload of possible Cardassian allies, begins to plot against the commander quietly, gathering followers. I'm putting it forward. I can tell you for now, I don't think it's... I, I enjoy it, and it's mm. got an awful lot in there, but... Um, I didn't find much for this episode. Maybe I don't know why. I, I don't get me. I really do like this episode. I really did enjoy it, but I struggled with the messages. I didn't find much. Oh, uh, I got on not too badly. Um, but what I did like, uh, I like how the um, uh, the Valerian plot and the Klingon one link. So an ancient battle plays out as the DS Nine's cruise minds are taken over. Now split into two sides against each other. So Cisco versus Kira. Um, I like how the alliance with the DS9 crew cracks and spits into two sides gradually. I think actually, in a way, it kind of feels very believable. Um, great acting from the main cast as they turn against each other. So it's fun seeing them act out of character. And I like how Odo plays Bashir on both sides to get a t- uh, the telepathic influence out of the crew. Uh, the Valerian freighter is redressed as the Telerian warship seen suddenly human. The working title for this episode was Ritual Sacrifice. Um, the clock that Cisco builds in this episode is seen in the background of his office throughout, designed by Ricardo Delgado. And I actually think I I always love the prop. I think it would make a great Star Trek part work project. Um, nice to see Odo and Quark saving the day. Um, does Quark Quark doesn't really though? Does no, he? not really. But I kept it in my notes because so I couldn't be bothered yeah. to change it. I mean, he, he does he does help out Odo because he overhears uh, Kira Pan pl- plotting against Cisco, so he does actually help out a bit. But yeah, God, sorry. Um, during filming, none of his has slipped on 
a wet staircase and hurt her back. She wanted to continue filming, but Rick Berman told her to go to hospital. When she arrived, still in makeup, the doctors initially ignored her back in favour of her terribly broken nose. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, oh, and this is something we thought up, well, I think I thought up recently. Cisco working the clock and Des- yeah. Dax reminiscing spent the episode doing other things as they knew something was wrong with them. Uh, so they didn't want to move move against and hurt Kira. What was the other thing as well you mentioned about the clock? Because when, when um, Otis, was, whoever it says, like, why did you build this? And she goes, I've got no idea. You you mentioned there was like a really clever kind of analogy with the clock or something with the last guys to the episode, didn't you? No, that, that was you. What was it? Oh, OK. What was it I said? Uh, I just said my piece, but you built onto it and it's been like, up to you to write it down, Jamie. I, I don't think I did. Let me just check. Did I write it down? I don't think I did. I think for I think I made this point of um oh that was it. It was something to do with um Cisco um it was like an analogy of oh, that was it, that was it, yeah. Cisco obviously because obviously you know, they're plotting against each other and obviously see I think Cisco and Bashir say, Well look, we don't know when Kira's gonna make her move here. So I think I think in a way it's kind of an analogy of Cisco making a clock was kind of that reference to running out of time. And I think also it plays into the whole ancient battle theme because it's like that was whatever in the past. So I think it, that was what I think because what it was. Which that I, sounds about right. Yeah, I, I, it, whether it, whether that is the case, I don't know, but I just thought it was interesting. So, uh, but yeah, um, the messages that I've got from this one I did it's got two if you're being controlled and acting against your will you're not responsible for your choices and actions alliances and taking sides and knowing who to trust is always risky that's it peace and unity is a worthy goal don't jump to conclusions find out all the facts first never give in to fear nothing easy to black or white violence doesn't solve anything help can come from the most unlikeliest places so Odo sometimes the simplest things are the most efficient you have to be willing to do anything to survive. People are affected by the same thing in different ways, and don't be prejudiced against a certain group. So in this case, that'd be Kira against the Valerians, yeah. 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 What I also wanted to say as well, just one one last thing I like is the placement of this is very good because I think we're past our. Actually, I'll refer to I'll, I'll use Voyager as an example. So with this, obviously, you've got the conflict with, between Cisco and Kira, which. In season one, where this is placed, it's plausible because you're still in the early days of where they're finding their feet with each other. Whereas that, like the um, repression in Voyager, that's like season seven with the Marquis. It's like, well, yeah, that's like seven years later. So surely that should have been like a lot sooner. But yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say I thought the placement of this episode was also particularly good as well. Uh, next one. <laughs> yeah, next one. Duet. This one is definitely going up. Same here, but I I, I enjoy it. It's just one that I don't think I, I understand why you love it so much now, but I think I'm still veering towards the next one. Um, that's that's, that's fair enough, mate. Um, so duet. Uh, Kira realizes that one of Bashir's patients is a Cardassian slave labor overseer who was stationed in Bajor. Kira, pl- Kira places him under arrest. 
under questioning, the Kardashian suddenly becomes himself to be the man who authorised the genocidal killings of the Jordans. Um, yeah, this is hands down absolutely fantastic episode. It's revered. It's, it's a classic Star Trek episode, which most fans I think absolutely love. Um, it's also uh, none of his one of her favourites as well, I believe. I mean, put it this way. Uh, apart from Emissary, this one and the last one were the only episodes where I actually wrote on more than one side. I mean, with this one, I've got literally almost two pages worth of notes. Would it be um, worth me getting my points out of the way quickly? Because I've only got about five. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, mate. Uh, the working title for this episode was The Higher Law. First mention of the Shikar resi- resistance cell. Yep. Uh, doesn't have a subplot. No. Was Which I think... trying to balance out uh, the more expensive episodes. Yeah, and actually, I think I'm glad they didn't do a subplot for this one because that would not have worked. Well, you could argue that for most of the episodes in the season, to be honest. Um, never forget the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And the start of Kira's slowly changing opinion on Kardashians. That's everything I got. Yeah. I uh, kind of put, a, I think I kind of stepped back a bit because I knew Jamie's feelings towards it and I thought, over to Jamie. Yeah, I've got quite a lot to say for this one, so so do bear with me. Um, so what I like... Okay, I'll, I'll sit back then. I'll <laughs> take it easy then. That's all right. Well, there's, there's nothing I disliked, first of all. What I did oh, like... Oh, shocker. <laughs> um, absolutely excellent performances from Nana Visitor and Harris Julian as Maritza, especially the interplay between them. Uh, great character development for Kira, as we find out that she helped liberate Galatek, the Bajoran missing labour camp 12 years ago and also for Maritza showing that shade of grey where it's not all Bajorans equals good and Cardassians are evil so Maritza asked Kirill how many um did you Cardassian civilians did you kill during the occupation and he was scared of pretending to be a war criminal so Cardassian would be forced to answer for its crimes against Bajor uh, also you mentioned about Kirill also in the Shakar resistance which is picked up on in later seasons um, it's interesting to find out more about the Kardashian occupation of Bajor and we even get more of a sense of how brutal, violent and shocking it all was with the man Goldar Hill in charge of Galatep. And as you say, kind of references, obviously, the Holocaust, obviously references, referencing like the Holocaust as well. Again, it's Star Trek doing what it does best, obviously, referencing real life things, isn't it? Um, complex situation with Cisco in the middle. He's holding a Cardassian prisoner as liaison to the Bajorans, but the Federation has a treaty with Cardassians. Both Bajor, Minister of State and Goldicott want Maritza back. I think it's portrayed well. And again, that harkens back to obviously um, past prologue where Cisco's in the middle again. Um, nice to see how Kira and Cisco's partnership has grown into a friendship when she asks him as a favour to let her be in charge of the investigation, as she promises him she'll conduct herself accordingly. He grants that request. I like the irony of when Kira starts questioning um, uh, uh, Maritza, he's actually telling her the truth, that he served on the Garda Hill at Galatep as a, as a filing clerk, which she accuses him of lying. It's just ironic at the start, he actually is telling the truth. Um, nice to briefly see the Bajor uh, in the... Uh, Nera working with Chief O'Brien and she is very prominent in the finale episode in the hands of the prophets. She was actually meant to be written into more. Yeah, that's right, which I think would have been nice. Um, superbly written episode with great twists and turns in the story with what's actually going on, like the fact that the other possibilities are raised. Uh, terrifically written dialogue throughout, highlighting the 
three uh, M's, which were explored well. Good to get a history hint of history between Odo and Ducat, which is expanded upon in later seasons. I thought, I said, it gets me every time. Very sad, which which just I get teary eyed when Maritza breaks down talking about covering his ears every night, so as not to hear the, the screaming and atrocities of the Bajorans at Galatet. That whole, ah, oh, just really, really sad. Uh, great growth for Kirill, as you said earlier, with seeing not all Kardashians as bad as she lets Maritza go at the end and says when he's when he's brutally stabbed, as the Bajoran says, oh, he's Kardashian, that's reason enough, to which she replies it isn't. Because, you, as you say, it's good character growth because she ch- starts changing her mind about Kardashians and they're not all bad. I love the scene when the penny drops. I love the scene where it finally drops. Oh, when... last last bit of information and it's a bit like, aha, OK, I get it now. He, It isn't him. Yeah. As she uh, as in her mind, she's coming with all these excuses of kind of he's lying, he's this, he's that. And then he, that final bit of information drops and she goes, ah, crap. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't well, him. Well, yeah, and she and like, when he says, "Oh, well, you you need to go out there and tell her," she goes, "Why are you doing this?" You know, it's and obviously the ending as well was just a really shocking ending with just. Can I just point killed. out that thing? I the funny thing I pointed out to you. So they beamed him to the trans to the infirmary. Yeah. So surely you beam him back to the ship so that um that that didn't happen. Yeah. True. Yeah. But then you don't get the dramatic thing of that happening. Yeah, I think I think with him being transported because he was injured or ill or whatever, so there was an immediate emergency. But he was all right at the end, so that's probably why. Um, the messages I've got. Do you want to go first? Uh, don't paint everyone with the same brush. So Kardashians, there's no excuse to revert to violence. Take responsibilities for your actions. Don't jump to conclusions. Find out all the facts first. How advanced we get. Is still valuable to be tricked fooled never give them to fear nothing is either black or white no matter what you do the truth will always be found out logic is king violence doesn't solve anything there's good in everyone help can come from the most unlikely places Her guilt is a powerful thing and don't be prejudiced against certain groups like kardashians in this case uh, messages I got to conduct an investigation, you have to be subjective and impartial. Being impersonally involved can cloud your objectivity. As Cisco says to Kill when he wants initially Odo to be in charge of the Maritza investigation, nobody and nothing is black and white. So like good and evil, we are complex beings. So Kira as a Bajoran during her time did kill Cardassian civilians, and Maritza was at Galatep, but he didn't take part in the atrocities and pretended to be Dahil, so Cardassia would admit his guilt and change. Don't judge a book by its cover, so referring to Maritza and the whole situation. Nothing justifies genocide, as Kira says to Maritza when he talks about Dahil, pretending to be Dahil, and I was helping to rebuild the Cardassian Empire. And it just takes one person to affect change, so Maritza tries to do good for Cardassia. If it's going to change, Kira says to him, it will need people like you. Yeah, just absolutely fantastic episode. I've always, always enjoyed it. I've always loved watching it. And it's that's never changed. It's never changed. I, I never get bored re-watching it. I've watched it dozens of times and it's still fantastic each time I've watched it. As you say, it's just a classic Star Trek episode. I, I think you're either a duet man or you're either in, in the hands of the prophets. And I think you've got one of each here. Yes. Uh, yeah, last, uh, last episode of of their season review. Uh, Vedic win contender for Kai declares that Keiko's teachings are in conflict with Bajor- Bajoran beliefs. 
announcements by Confederation officers and Bajorans. When terrorist acts begin to appear, the crew of DS9 may, may have outstayed their welcome. You, you can't not put this up. Oh, yeah, but this is a brilliant episode and a just overall excellent finale. So, yeah, I, again, this is a one I've always loved as well. Absolutely brilliant episode. Um, and again, again, almost two pages of paper I wrote for this one as well. So, I've I've written more for this one, but maybe I should get mine out of the way first. I don't mind, so it's up to you. Uh, the Pajoran starship is reused of the Wadi starship seen in Move Long Home, which is bonkers. Uh, first appearance for Philip and Gillum as Bro and, and, and how do you say surname or forename? I was getting confused. Um. Hang on, let me just find my notes. And Elise uh, Fletcher, uh, Winadami. Yeah, uh, Philip Anglim, I think. No, no, Baral. Oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't pronounce his full name. I just put Vedic Baral. That was it. A N T E, or is that an O? It's where I get confused. Anton, Anton. Uh, no star date is given in the episode, although Cisco notes that it takes place seven months after the emissary. Packer's absence is also mentioned, so this episode takes place after battle lines. Yep. Bra's mo- uh, monastery scenes were pl- filmed at Ferndale near Griffin Park, previously using the Hodek in Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, I just want to say, I actually think um, that it's really that is a beautiful, beautiful arboretum, beautiful gardens there. I mean, if that's what a lot of Bajor looks like, it'd be a really nice place to visit, I think. This Sorry, is a cool detail. The Bajoran City map painting seen in Emissary was um was modified to show that damage to the city had been repaired very subtle detail but it's really, really well done oh that's really cool uh first time we visit the ds9 bajoran temple yep i think that one of the female students is wearing cliff's cliff's pink costume from disaster yeah i remember you mentioning that yeah you can tell day one that something's off with kyle uh, vedic kai Wins interpretation of the prophet's wishes when it actually turns out to be the priorities, but again, they haven't been written yet. And my key one is the age old debate of science versus religion, segregation, and civil rights. Mm. That's me done, Jamie. Uh, right, so brace yourself. <laughs> Not quite as much as the last one, but actually, yeah, actually. Um, so I like the opening scene with a Brian telling Keiko about John Justix as Neela. I said a Bajoran engineer mentioned him to him. She pretends to act jealous towards him, but she's obviously teasing him. He's like, on your t- on your toes, on your toes, O'Brien. Uh, nice to have Keiko more focused on this episode and her role as a teacher with her conflict with Vediquin over what she's teaching the Bajoran children. Superb intros and performances from obviously Louise Fletcher as Wynn and Philip yeah, Anglin as Rest in while. peace. Huh? Rest in peace. We've recently lost Louise Fletcher. We did. Was it a year or two back? Yes, the last couple of years at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, who become very prominent and important secondary characters with regards to Bajor in the seasons to come. Good to reference Cisco's emissary to the prophets, which hasn't been done since the pilot. A role where Cisco says to win, he's still not comfortable with. And also nice reference to Kyle Pucker from Battle Lines. As Win says. I like the fact that um, Burrell doesn't do the path thing no it doesn't which no, is a nice detail the kind of new wave but religion side yeah. coming through um as 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 Wynn says she misses kai pucker terribly which probably isn't really true from her, no. her 
a superbly written episode with intricate plotting with the chief's missing tool, Ensign Aquino's death and Wynn's campaign uh, against Keiko and her school is a larger plot for her with Nulis help to have Barrar assassinated so she has a clear path in gaining power to become the next Kai. I like uh, how religion is respected as Cisco says to Jake that the Bajorans aren't wrong to think of the wormhole aliens as prophets. All they had during the, the uni occupation was their faith and guide from them. Like how this plot of segregation with Wynn, uh, taking the Bajoran kids out of school with Kira at the start, saying maybe there should be separate schools as echoes of Bajor for the Bajorans from past prologue and the free part at the start of season two. It's good story building, as you say, it's kind of referring to obviously civil rights and stuff. Uh, nice moment between Neela and O'Brien. She clearly likes him with him saying, on your toes, O'Brien, referring to what KK said to him at the start. I, lo- I really like the subtle interplay. I really, I, again, it's, it's this subtle interplay at DS9. I think it does really well. I really like the subtle in between, interplay between Baral and Cisco when Baral arrives at DS9. Um, shocking moment when the school blows up. Uh, great three M's that are explored in good depth. You mentioned about the whole seven months since the pilot. Uh, and I like the ending with Cisco and Kira saying maybe we have made some progress after all and better relations between Federation and Bajor. And in terms of dislikes, there wasn't anything. Then why didn't you just move on, Jamie? What's that? Then kind of announcing, oh, I don't like dislikes. Just, just don't say them. OK. I just like to make a note of nothing. It all works. I don't know. I just I feel like I feel like that's an achievement. It's like actually this episode, there's nothing wrong with it. So I I, I always put that down. I always did it during TMG, but if it's a bit annoying, then I'll I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, oh, it's just a curious note of kind of like oh, <laughs> I didn't like like I didn't dislike anything. Is that okay? Well, no. Let's signpost it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think you have been sent our way through, but I, I just... I'll stop. I'll stop saying we agree to disagree. Uh. <laughs> no, we're both doing that less these days, because so that does irritate I, me. This is kind of... We'll probably I disagree, don't, but... I don't um, yeah. Never give in to fear. So, Jeremy, what are you saying? I was just going to say, I don't think we really say that at all anymore, that phrase, really, do we? No. I know I just did, it. but that's just, just a jokey thing. Yeah. God, sorry. Never give in to fear. Arrogance will... will get you nowhere teamwork is an important part of life nothing is in black or white no matter what you do the truth will always be found out violence doesn't solve anything don't use someone or something as a scapegoat don't be religious against a certain group don't take the form path of someone else and don't put it make there don't manipulate people it never ends well and that's that uh messages i've got people can use fear to justify anything as Burrell says to cisco uh, people with power like Vedic win, use and abuse that power. Power corrupts absolutely. So her plot to have Vedic Baral assassinated before he became Kai. Now, it's a quick thing. Is there a moment? And it's it's very subtle, and you might miss it. But when he, when he's almost shot and Neil is taken away, I think he looks round at Win. Do you think he knew she was behind it? Uh, it's one of those things of who else is it going to be? Yeah, I think he I think he knew, but obviously. Like, again it's part of my issues it's but you introduce all this stuff and we never get the right full background like, i don't think he goes into much he did he didn't go into it in the first encounter where you go that's the point where you go oh well maybe he did say he kind of goes oh i don't kind of get on with that damn woman 
Yeah, maybe. I just wondered if he actually knew. They don't, they don't have to signpost everything, but it, I did, it's just that moment where he looks back at her briefly, and I just thought, hmm, did he actually well, know or not? Because I think he said, oh, you're my biggest threat. Like, yeah. So I think there is a thing where it's like, it's either me or you. Yeah. I, like, it's I, either me or you that's going to get the top job. I think I think maybe he's aware of it on some level. Um Right, so there's room for all philosophies and different interpretations on religion and scientific topics. Religion is respected and understood in DS9, so um, used so we, obviously it's used to enhance our understanding of the world. People will use politics and religion to justify anything and use it to get ahead. Okay, peace is a worthy goal. Baral mentions putting an end to the violence with the school explosion. And cooperating and understanding is key to forging lasting alliances, partnerships and friendships. That's it. We're done. So um, let's just quickly recap uh, what episodes did we put up. Uh, we both put up Emissary. Uh, you put up Captive Pursuit. I put up Dax. Um, you put up Battle Lines. I put up. Uh, we both put up the Forsaken, you put up Dramatist Persona, and we both put up the last two episodes, Duet and In the Hands of the Prophets, correct? Yes. So, what are we going to go with? Well, the key issue is, are we going to stick with what we went with last time? But, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Because last time, I picked Duet and you picked In the Hands of the Prophets. Uh, well, I'm going to say straight off the bat, I'm sticking with Duet. I mean, Do you know what I've just done? What? Because you know I have a um, Excel spreadsheet with them all yeah. on. I literally, because I knew this was going to happen, I've just copy and pasted what we've yeah. previously done and put them in this one. So you're picking in the hands of the prophets as well this time. I had a I've, I've had a feeling for a while that I was yeah. going to stick. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know in the hands of the prophets does have a bigger impact, and I think it's an excellent episode. But for me, I just do it. Just stands out more to me. I've always always loved it. So for me, it's just a no-brainer. It's like it's got to be that one. But in if it, you know, in the hands of the prophets, that would be like a like a what's the word? Um, honorable mention. Yeah, honorable mention. Yeah. Do you so, know the other one that I would have chosen? Gone. Battle lines. Fair enough. Kyle Packer not being around is kind of a big deal. Hmm. So, but so yeah, that that's it. Uh, I picked duet. You picked in the hands of the prophets. Uh, predictable, but I, I kind of can't pick anything else. No, it's the same. It's like, you know, it's just a given, really. But, and yeah, we're going to be honest. It's, it's, that's what we love. That's what we love. That's what we're going to pick. So, um, yeah, so that ends our DS9 Season 1 review. Uh, so I think overall the episode, I think both episodes, I think overall it was about just about two and a half hours. So actually, I don't think we've done too badly. Pardon me. And actually, I... I think this, I think part two has actually been, I think it was actually shorter than our first part, actually. Yeah, we're about three hours, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it, guys. We're we're back in, we're back in the group. Because I said, it has been a while since we've even recorded an episode as well. So it's nice to get back into that and getting back into the review. And I think season one of DS9 is a nice way to ease into it. As I said, there's not much in terms of like, the messages and stuff. So it's not too heavy. And as you say, it's a shorter season as well, which is lovely. So... Yeah, full steam join ahead. Us, join us this time next year for season two and yes. 26 delightful episodes that will yeah. take forever to get through. Yeah. Well, I'm going to very much enjoy it because I, I, I've 
based on just having a very quick look for it, I really like season two. There, there I some... don't I don't like how it starts. I know you don't. We we me and Simon are definitely going to differ with with the start of it because I really like the Bajoran uh, three parts. I think it's really good. Um, so but that that's that's for next year. So uh, we'll we'll leave that debate for another time. Uh, but yeah, we hope you guys have enjoyed listening. And yeah, this is... um, yeah, oh, go on, Jamie. You are going to say. Obviously, this is our last episode before our hiatus. Yeah, um, so we are having. An, I will laugh. I will say it. It's not generally true, but. I'm gonna say it. We're gonna have a month off. Which no, we don't. I can promise you, we don't. Um, and we will be back in the second week of September. And if I remember rightly, that's Jamie's birthday episode. Yes, uh, our, I think our first episode is retrospective of many things, or whatever we call it. So um, doing... No, no. You again, you overruled me on that one. It's now Star Trek Retrospective Extravaganza. That's the one, yeah. So we're doing it because you got annoyed. You didn't like my, you didn't like that title, so we changed it. And then it's, uh, then it is Jamie's birthday episode, which is Jamie. Uh, Enterprise season five and beyond. But yeah, season five onwards. But yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And in hiatus, we will actually be working on next year's schedule. Yes, we will be. So, and I think I'll, I'll probably will. We'll be doing that. I'll be, I don't know about you, but I'm probably going to start sorting out a yearbook as well, I think. Uh, and it's my my clips anyway. I think I want to I get a head start on that. Because last year, I think I left it out the last minute. So I think this year I'm going to get cracking with that. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a good rest of the summer and we'll see you back in September. Um, until then, stay safe. Bye.